0: John eleven thirty eight. 38, uh, when you find it. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. When you find it, say amen, John eleven thirty eight. 38. You got it? Say Amen. Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus says, uh, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus says to her, "Did did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. Jesus says to them, unbind him and let him go. Your text, I want you to pay attention to John 38, the verse 38, and it is, then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed. Greatly disturbed. I want to talk about a good man. Let me hear you say good man. Greatly disturbed. Um, This text is too long to preach the entire text or the entire story because it's 57 verses. So let me see if I can bring you up to where we are and then we can move forward and that is at the onset of this story, uh, it is made clear that Jesus loves Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. And at the onset of this story, it is made clear that they love him. As a matter of fact, they're so close that he sends Uh, They sent him a letter, that's Mary and Martha, to Jesus that says, the one whom you love is sick, with the hopes that Jesus would stop doing what he was doing and get get to Bethany to intervene before Lazarus' uh, situation got any worse. The one whom you love is sick. Um, But but the problem is that when Jesus here gets the letter uh, about Lazarus being sick, he does not move. As a matter of fact, he waits for the situation to get worse before attending to their call. Yes, you heard me right. He waited for the situation to get worse before he moved. I know uh-huh, there are some areas in your life that you've been wondering if Jesus is purposely waiting for the situation to get worse before He answers, I, I'm fully aware. There's some times that you and I have prayed, and if you are not careful, you will start to wonder: Are you holding out on purpose? Are you waiting on purpose? And have you ever seen like that when you need it, Jesus to move real fast? He got real slow. Y'all doing good already. I want to tell you, you're right. Sometimes Jesus will wait until your situation is as bad as it can be to ensure that whenever he shows up, the glory of God is revealed. Now, don't get confused. He's not mad at Mary, Martha, or Lazarus. At the time that he receives the letter, he's not frustrated. There is no breach in their relationship. He did not withhold his coming because he was angry with them at the time he received the letter. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. He holds out on coming because he loves them so much that there's something he wanted to reveal to them that he knew could only happen if there was a divine delay. And I'm saying this to somebody, and that is, what if God is holding out on you because, not because he's mad at you, but because he loves you so much that he realizes you're going to get what you need if he just delays his intervention for a little while. So he does not show up, preach Alexander, and because he does not show up, Lazarus dies, preach Alexander, and, 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 and Lazarus has been dead four days. Uh, before Jesus comes on the scene, and and I've got to tell you this, this is not that lo- not a long sermon, so if you're waiting on me to warm up, I'm already warm. Just come on. Just come on. Let's stop doing that. You are, I know you're holding yours until later on. We're, we've made it to later on. Come on. S- scoot up. And, and, and Jesus shows up, and by the time he shows up, Martha is mad at him. By the time he shows up, Mary is mad at him. Uh, And by the time he shows up in our text in verse 38, he's mad at them. And so by the time we make it to verse 38, everybody in the text is mad you're preaching already Alexander Everybody. I'm so glad that Martha and Mary and Jesus is mad see if Martha was mad or Mary was mad I could discredit their mad I could say oh Mary let it go get over it you'll be alright that's Mary but if Martha is mad I can say well Martha you're always mad as a matter of fact the last time we saw you in the text in luke 10 you're preaching alexander you were cooking for jesus mary stopped helping you cook went in the room with jesus started worshiping jesus you went in the room with jesus and you clicked on jesus You told Jesus, look, you need to tell her, get up, come back in here and help me. You see all of these people I have to cook for. Jesus looked at Martha and said, you go do what you're doing and don't worry about. It's a Martha's in here because I cannot imagine what you would have told Jesus. I'm looking at some of y'all. Y'all would have told Jesus, oh, okay. Since cooking and eating is not that big of a deal, cook for yourself. But Martha is mad and Martha, is, well, since you Jesus, Jesus, you know how to turn water into wine. <laughs> you come on and make this meal. But everybody is mad. And I'm glad. Because it gives us an opportunity to realize that in this Christian walk, every emotion that you have won't always be a positive emotion. But every emotion you have, including the bad emotions, can be used for the glory of God if you respond properly. Tell your neighbor, you will get mad sometimes but you have to learn this you have to learn how to be a Christian and not lie about your emotions because church folks will make you lie about your emotions like every time you wake up you feel good every time you wake up you feel like shouting and praising God and this is the day the Lord has made you know some people you can't even speak to because they go into a whole Baptist fit right in the middle of the grocery store hello how you doing oh praise God I'm sorry I just asked how you doing I'm gonna pray. Praise God, too, once you tell me how you're doing. And some of us, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. I'm blessed of the Lord. But can we be honest just for a moment? Some days I don't feel like that. Some days I love Jesus. I love y'all. But some days I have some stuff going on in my life, and I don't feel like running around the church. I don't feel like singing hallelujah. It's some stuff in my life that makes me downright mad. Listen to your right hand. Do you promise you to tell the whole truth? Nothing but the truth. So help you, God. Say, I do. Tell your neighbor. It's some stuff in my life I'm mad about right now. But this is what we're going. Y'all doing good. Let me press on. Can I throw something at you? You have to learn how to have bad emotions and still be a good Christian. You're still not helping me. You don't have to always feel good to be good. You can have some bad emotions and still produce good things. So let's go to the text. Let's go. Lean in. Come here. I didn't say look up. I said scoot up. First <laughs> 38. Preach the text, Pastor. I'm doing the best I can with the crowd I got. Verse 38. <laughs> then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed. Th- then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed. Can, can we talk about that? Look down your row and say, this is a good point to help the preacher. Now, now holler and tell him, get ready, get ready, get ready. You didn't say right to him, don't play, don't play. Get ready, get ready. He worked hard on this part. Y'all ready? Come here. By the point we get to this point of chapter 11 of, verse, of, of, of John, Jesus has been given more than enough reasons to be angry and frustrated. He's had to deal with disciples who struggle to understand him, and they're riddled with fear and doubt. So you're dealing with people who are surrounded by you but still don't get you. I could stop and let you take over the sermon right there. Because there's nothing like being surrounded by people who still don't understand you. But then not only is he surrounded by by people who don't understand him, his own disciples, but then he's confronted by angry sisters who contribute their brother's death to his lateness. So much so that they look at him and say, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. He makes it to Martha, and she accuses him of being responsible by his tardiness of, their, of Lazarus' death. Then he makes it to Mary, and she accuses him of being responsible for her brother's uh, death by his tardiness. And then he's surrounded by critical Jews who are convinced that he's reached his limit. They say, preach Alexander, could not he who opened blinded eyes stop this man from dying? So you have a mad, you have mad sisters. That's bad enough. Yeah. Then you have mad religious people. And then guess what else? Now Jesus is mad. As a matter of fact, in this climate, it got so bad that the shortest verse in the Bible is birth from this situation. That's John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. Come on that's the only verse some of y'all know i just told you where it came from jesus wept whether jesus is weeping due to a dead lazarus which is possible or then some other aforementioned reason like mad sisters who he loved and he's come to help them and they're mad at him or because he's surrounded by people who are pretending to be religious but still don't get him it could be all of the above but whatever it is it's enough to make him cry and now it's enough to make him mad and, and, and so by the time we make it to verse 38 we're dealing with a very mad very unhappy jesus as a matter of fact this verse says look at it again then jesus again somebody shout again shout it a little bit louder i need somebody in the balcony to shout again Again means that, watch this now, greatly disturbed came to the tomb. This text is saying because the same expression is found in verse 33 that suggests that something keeps taking him there. The text says twice that Jesus is deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. And before you try to sanctify and and sanitize this word mad or this word disturbed, the original Greek word is a phrase that says furious indignation. He was furious at this point. Am I preaching yet? Somebody shout furious. Furious. He's furious. As a matter of fact, the word, the picture is a horse rearing up in battle right before it charges off to war. He's not just mad. Holler at me. He's big man. He, you didn't say it big enough. He's big man. But there's something significant in verse 38 that I don't want you to miss. Are y'all ready? Come here. Come here. Come, 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 come. Let's read it again. Then Jesus, again, but they keep doing it, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. you missed it. Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. I- I've been doing this uh-huh, uh, there it is. some of y'all dyslexic let's, let's try it again. <laughs> let's go backwards. He showed up. Now let me say this to you before I, before I tell you that let me show, come here, come here. He did not get to the tomb and was made mad. Based on verse 33, he was already angry when he got there. That's significant. Come here. Because nothing made him mad in verse 38. uh, He came to verse 38 already mad. Watch this now. But the big deal is he was mad, but he still showed up. He, uh, yes he, we get to celebrate him because although he was mad before he got there he still came and you don't know when to shout I promise you don't know when to shout because allow me to celebrate a Christ that could be mad and still show up And allow me to celebrate some folks who have learned how to pattern their lives after Jesus Christ and say, I'm not here because life is perfect. I'm not here today because life has been great. I'm not here because I have a perfect marriage. I definitely don't have perfect children. I don't have a perfect job hollering me somebody. I don't have a perfect walk with the Lord. I don't have a perfect family, but I've learned how to be mad and still show up. Look at your neighbor, down your road, help me preach to your role. Tell him, hey neighbor, you have to learn how to show up, sometimes mad and all. <laughs> then allow me to say a word to all of us who are Christians trying to follow Jesus. Jesus was greatly disturbed, preach pastor. Jesus was furious, he was upset, but he still showed up to minister not above his emotions, not in spite of his emotions, not suppressing his emotions. He showed up with his emotions. Because some of us, why is that significant? Some of us, we're real good Christians. We're not going to quit permanently doing the things God told us to do, but we, we will hit pause temporarily till we get over our mask. See, I'm so saved, I'm not going to stop going to church permanently, but I will take a break on you because you made me mad. And, and, or it says somebody else is saying, I might not divorce you, but I might not cook this month. I don't have any help in the room <laughs> i might not quit my ministry but i might take a sabbatical from ministry for three months because they may, and don't act like i'm the only one to struggle with my anger but is there anybody in here that say even when i don't quit permanently i will pause temporarily until i get through my mad But the dangerous part about pausing when you're angry is God is a God of timing. And when you stop, it might be the very moment that God is trying to birth something out of you and somebody else. And your pause, because you're mad, might cause somebody else their life. So you got to learn how to be mad and still show up. I don't know who in here is mad. Some of y'all are some angry people. <laughs> I'm having to work too hard. Somebody here mad. God gave me a just gave me an illustration just for you all. I don't care how mad the paramedics is, when I hit 911, I need you to still show up. Wouldn't it be horrible? because the paramedics just got into it at work, then when you say 911, I need somebody right now, I'm having chest pains, I can't come right now. Well, why not? I'm mad right I don't care how mad you are, get here, do CPR on somebody, and guess what? You can save a life while you're mad. Yeah. Would you look at somebody and tell them, you can still make a difference in somebody else's life, Wow, you're mad! See, so let me say to a wife, you may have to learn how to make a mad pork chop. I cannot stand this joker. He gets on my nerves. I may mean, not put all the seasoning on it. He don't need all of this. It just needs to be done here. I thought you were mad at me. I am, you still gotta eat. You might have to learn how to give your wife some mad sugar. Come on over here with your crazy self. (laughs) (laughs) You're not helping me. I'm telling you, you got to learn how to be mad and still get the job done. I think I told y'all about a year or two ago, I'll tell you for all the people who didn't hear it, and if you had heard, it, act like you didn't. I was, me and my wife were not, my wife and I were not speaking to each other know it happens it was about a week or so we had not talked and we got we got to church and I was preaching and y'all I was preaching real good I mean I it was one of those Sundays when like God got up from the throne reached down and kissed me on the forehead while I was preaching I was preaching and the whole house was going up but guess what in the middle of all of everybody else screaming preach Alexander my wife got up I said uh-oh Cause I know you're mad and she started hollering preach preach pastor and I was preaching and the harder I preached the louder she hollered and then she does this little thing when I'm preaching real good she started walking toward the pulpit pointing I said oh I'm out the dog now Oh, I was preaching. I'm like, oh, I really started preaching then. And she's like, you better preach. And I said, I'm going to. I'm giving it all I got because I'm at the doghouse and I'm preaching. And she's hollering and crying. I said, "Oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. And we get in the car and I'm just talking at the church on the way to the restaurant because I just saw her hollering and screaming, preach Alexander and preach pastor and pointing to me and walking toward me. I'm good. Let's go eat. I'm smiling. I'm talking after about five miles. I realized she hadn't said anything, and I'm talking, and then after about another mile, I said, I realized she hadn't even looked my way. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You still mad? She said, oh, yeah. I said, you were just in there hollering while I was preaching. She said, in there, you were pastor, in here, you Eric. I know how to be mad and still help the preacher. I can't stand you, but you sure did preach. I need somebody to say, learn how to be mad and still get the job done. Am I preaching to anybody in here yet waving me? Because how many of you, when you get mad, you shut down? I need 35 of y'all to stand up and let the rest of the people in this room know I got the right sermon because when you get mad, you shut down. I didn't say hold your hand up, I said stand up so they all know I got the right sermon. When you get mad, you shut down. Not only do you stop talking to people, you don't want to be talked to. As a matter of fact, they walking through the house too loud. Why are you walking so loud? Sit out. <laughs> when you get mad, you want to be left alone. And now this sermon challenges us. It's all right to be mad, but still get the job done. Let's go. Let me tell you something. If you're writing, I think this one is, is tweetable. Are you ready? Your happiness cannot be the compass that guides your destiny. Sometimes, you will find that the very thing that God has called you to is the thing that angers you the most. Am I preaching to you? Yeah. You're still under assignment when you're happy, and you're still under assignment when you're mad. And you want to know one of the problems with believers, we're too too committed to our happiness. So if you give us a challenge between happiness and God's way, we pick happiness over God's way. So whenever God's way does not make us happy, we'll abandon God's way just to make us happy. Listen, there are some times you'll be in a situation God put you in and it won't always make you happy, but that does not give you the right to abandon your assignment just because you're not happy about it right now. Am I preaching to you yet? If I've been called to preach, I don't just preach on my happy days I got to learn how to be mad and still preach if I've been called to be a good husband I'm not just a good husband when she makes me happy I gotta be a good husband when she's made me mad I don't have any company in the room if I've been called to be a parent I gotta take care of those children when they make me happy and I gotta take care of them when they make me mad if I've been called to work in ministry I gotta show up for ministry when I'm happy and I gotta show up in ministry when I don't like anybody on the ministry history. i wish i had some help in here because i'm still a christian on my mad day let me let me give you another one maybe that one wasn't tweetable enough for you i'm gonna get a good tweet out of y'all before this is over y'all ready sometimes you have to learn how to be faithful and furious at the same time I cannot let my happiness dictate my destiny because God will call me into seasons, into into assignments that don't always make me happy. Watch this now. You must know that just because you're not happy with your marriage does not give you a right to dishonor it. Are you hearing me? Just because you're not happy with your life does not give you a, a right to start living life on your own terms. Just because, because some of us are really good in areas when those areas are really good to us. But we can abandon those same areas when they frustrate us. Sometimes your spouse will make you mad. Sometimes your family will make you mad. Sometimes your children will make you mad. Sometimes church will make you mad. But you got to learn how to be committed to God, even when you're mad. And here, then i got to push it a little bit further. He shows up to minister mad, but he's ministering to the people that's mad at him. Because you know how we do. If you get mad at me, I get mad at you. For being mad at me. (laughs) And so now I've allowed your anger to dictate my anger and my actions. But what do you do when God calls you to minister to the ones you're angry at and the ones that's angry with you? can, Can I push this? Please understand that just because you are not in a positive emotional state is not a reason not to show up. Please do not feel validated in allowing your emotions to, make, to dictate your absences in places that call for your attendance and your attention. Let me, let me say it another way. Can I say it another way? You, know, you don't want to know why you ought to show up for Jesus even when you're mad at life. Because do you know how many times he showed up for you even when he was mad at you? And let me say something to all the wonderful, perfect Christians. Don't act like you have never made Jesus mad. On, Is there anybody? Lift your right hand. Do you promise to the whole truth, number, truth, number? you You God say, I do. Can you think of some stuff you've done to make Jesus mad? Ooh. Look down your row. Here's one of those row moments. Look down your row. And just tell your neighbor, y'all not looking. Look down your row. You're making me mad. <laughs> but I'm still going to preach to you, although you're making me mad. Look down your, you're looking at me, I'm not your role. Look down your role. And tell your neighbor, I've done some stuff that I know Jesus was mad at me about. Now look at him and say, he had to be mad at me because I was mad at myself. Now now, now look down your role and say, it was so bad. When I think about it now, I get mad at myself if I didn't think it would hurt I'd hit myself from some of the stuff I've done but this is what Jeremiah said it's not that he has not been angry with us but Jeremiah said it's because of the Lord's mercies that we've not been consumed I know I made him mad but he still showed up for me let me show you how you don't know how to shout The only reason you woke up this Sunday morning is not because you didn't make Jesus mad this week with your perfect self. It's because in spite of what you did, he still showed up. And somebody lift their hands and tell the Lord, thank you. Now I got to push and I'm running out of time and I'm mad at you all about it. If you had been helping me like you're supposed to help me, I would not have run out of time. By the way, you should know your anger is not only allowed, your anger is not only permitted, but your anger is necessary. If Jesus is mad, that means it must be a good man because everything Jesus does is good. So now it makes me approach anger a different way, teach pastor, because it cannot be sinful if Jesus is doing it, he who knows no sin. So it lets me know that being mad in and of itself is not evil or sinful. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 4 and 26 says, be angry and sin not. Watch. It did not say anger is permitted. Am I preaching? Yeah. Yeah. But what it says is be angry. And Be is a verb, you understand? And so it was not permission to be angry. It was instructions to be angry. That there are some times you ought to be mad. I ain't got no help in here, but I need some help in here. Just tell somebody. It's sometimes that anger is in order. Tell somebody, sometimes anger is in order. As a matter of fact, one of the problems, come here, are you ready? That I think that's happening with believers is that we don't know anymore when to be mad and what to be mad about. Because some of this stuff happening in society ought to make you downright mad. And, and, and i pastor i pastor people who don't know when to be mad and and social media proves it there'll be liking posts that they ought to be mad about oh. it goes directly against who we are as christians and they're blowing up the like and the comments you're not hearing me yet and and, and sometimes I, I say i want to but sometimes i do call and say unlike that I mean, you act like I'm not teaching you anything, just out here liking stuff that's so ungodly. So unlike that right now, I mean, I had some tell some people who were employ, employed by me, if you want your job in the morning, you will go and take that post down right now because now you're giving all of us a bad name because everything that entertains the world ought not entertain us, and some of this stuff is just off limits and ought to make you mad. As a matter of fact, if you're married, wave your hand. We ask a lot of y'all. I started to say, that's why y'all mad. No, I'm just fled. Come here. <laughs> One of the worst things that could ever happen is being married to someone who's happy when they ought to be angry. Like your marriage going down the tube and they just running in still smiling. Hey, I, what? dude, we're not good. What? what? what are you so bubbly about <laughs> like, like somebody who just don't know this is not a good time and we can't do anything about it until you become mad because when you become a mad that means you become aware and your lack of, of anger might be an indication you're not even aware there's a problem so sometimes my mad helps me identify what I ought to be aware of. And sometimes you so bubbly that I'm looking saying you have no clue because you're way too happy considering we're not doing good at all. So mad means I'm aware there's a problem. I was coming from Memphis, and Memphis is only two hours from where I live, and my wife and I had... Um, uh, had a disagreement, we don't holler and scream, but we had a disagreement coming from Memphis and on the way back from Memphis, she decided she was gonna sleep for two hours. And she was way too peaceful for us to be mad. So I'm driving and she's let her seat back, she's ready to really chill, I say, not today. So she just sleep, this is what the ride looked like for two hours. Nowhere in the world. You've been asleep for two hours while I drive mad. If I'm mad, everybody need to wake up, figure out what I'm mad about. You know those little bumpers on the road that tell you when you're falling asleep? I rode there for about a mile. Blah. She wakes up hot. Ah, oh, you sleep? I said, and you not either. <laughs> This is not sleeping time. You don't get to make me mad and then let me chauffeur you for two hours while I'm mad and you sleep. If if I'm this mad, everybody needs to wake up. And what if God is saying, the reason I'm allowing trouble to get in your life, you two sleep when you ought to be woke. So I'm going to put your life on the bumpy road until you wake up and realize some of this stuff is not all right. sometimes you need to be mad because mad makes you aware mad awakens you mad makes you aware mad awakens you guess what else uh mad not only wake uh, makes you aware and awakens you but then mad activates you if you get mad enough you will do something about it if I can make you mad. and what if God is withholding some things because you've become so complacent and so happy in a place I didn't call you to that the only way I can get you from it is to make you mad I wish I had some help in here. because if you're not careful you'll settle for the cemetery when I've planned a resurrection you're not helping me yet because Martha when Jesus says roll the stone away she says you don't want to do that I said well Martha you were the one hollering about he didn't show up in time because some of us want to." be mad without results. But Jesus says, if you're gonna be mad, be a good mad. Be a mad that activates you into getting positive results. I don't hear anybody. I read an autobiography of Martin Luther King, an excerpt from the autobiography of Martin Luther King, and he says what really prompted him into this civil rights movement was at the age of 14, coming from Dublin, Georgia, with a teacher named Mrs. Bradley, he was forced to get up and give his seat up for white riders, and he was crushed out. He had to ride for 90 miles from Dublin to Atlanta, and he says, at 14, that was the angriest I had ever been in life. But guess what, He didn't make him bitter, did not make him violent, did not make him evil. He used that mad to produce something good. I'm, I'm running out of time, let's go. Good leaders, yeah, focus on results well, average leaders focus on results. Good leaders focus on the behavior that got the result, but great leaders focus on the emotion that brought the behavior that got the result. Average leader just wants the results. Good leaders want to figure out what behavior brought the results, but great leaders want to figure out what emotion did you have that produced that behavior that brought that result because your behavior is being driven by some emotion and it does not have to be a good emotion to bring a good result if you can take your bad emotion or your negative emotion and have good behavior that brings a good result that means now you can say like romans 8 and 28 all things work together for the good of them that love the lord even my bad things my mad things God gives you the capacity to experience anger and still produce good. It's a good mad. It's a productive mad. It's a constructive mad. It's a mad that makes you sacrifice, commit, and have purpose. Believers, when the enemy comes for your marriage, you ought to get mad enough to do something about it. You ought to tell them you came to the right marriage. And that ought to make you step up your game and prove him wrong when he comes for your children you ought to have a pentecostal prayer meeting over them they ought to have so much oil they slide right out of the room you ought to pray till they get delivered from whatever they have you ought to say wrong child you ought to go in and start praying until Satan is mad he ever came to bother you you ought to look at him and say oh this is what we're doing you came to the right house I wish I had some help in here when Satan tries to mess up your walk with the Lord you ought to say oh this is what we're doing watch me walk even higher now watch me go even harder now when Satan comes for your life your marriage your child your church your ministry it ought to make you mad enough to prove him wrong i'm out of time it ought to make you aware it ought to activate you it ought to make you active and aware and awake i wish i had more time but let me see if i can cut across the field and get to the point how many of you been blessed by this sermon already Verse 41 says, Jesus looked around and says, who's going to take away the stone? I thought that was interesting because these people were the responsible for burying Lazarus. Now he's commissioned them to raise him up, to be a participant in his resurrection. you got to learn how to use the same people that contributed to your mad to be participants in the deliverance you don't know what to, I'm trying to help you. Because some people are comfortable being your pallbearers. And they're cool with laying you to the rest. They just struggle with raising you up. I don't have any help in here. As a matter of fact, let me say something to a parent. If you're trying to get your child to make some better grades, make them mad enough. Let me show you where to start. Take the cell phone. Say, so let me see if I can get you mad enough to get an A out. <laughs> if they still like they're cool and they still bringing in F's and D's or even a C, take the PlayStation 2. Say, oh, give me that too. And then take, uh, oh, by those Jordans. Give me those two. You're going to school in buddies. Let me see. Let me see if I can make you mad enough to produce what you ought to produce. And what if God has been doing some stuff in your life to make you mad enough to produce? So Jesus gets participant. this is what else he does. Are y'all ready? He looks up toward the Father, mad, but I still know where my help comes from. I'm gone. (laughs) Mad, but I'll still lift my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help, because all my help comes from the Lord. Mad, but I'm not crazy. I still know where my help comes from then in verse 41 he does something else he says father I thank you I said wait a minute Jesus I thought you were mad I am but you got to learn how to be mad and still be thankful wait wait a minute he says I'm mad but God is still a good God and I need somebody to grab your neighbor (laughs) by the hand and say hey neighbor life is not perfect I got some issues I got some things that's wrong in my life. I have some things that have made me mad, but I might be mad, but I'm still thankful. I know where my help comes from. Is there anybody that can lift your hands and say, life is not perfect, but I still know how to praise God? Then he says, I praise you because you heard me. He says, as a matter of fact, you've always heard me. I said, what are you doing, Jesus? He says, if you can't shout about today, remember what he did yesterday. And the same God from yesterday is the same today and forevermore. Turn around, turn around and find you one last person. Say, hey neighbor, if you can't shout about what's going on today, remember what he's already done. Remember all the ways he's already made. Remember all the doors he's already opened. Remember all the sickness he's already healed. Remember all the nights he's already come through. And even on your bad day, you need to be able to say praise is what I do. Even when I'm going through, I'll praise him in the good. I'll praise him in the bad. I'll praise him when I'm happy, I'll praise him when I'm sad, I'll praise him when I'm up, I'll praise him when I'm down, cause on my bad day, he's still a good God, on my hardest day, he's still a good God, on my weak day, Have I got a witness in here? Would you look at somebody and tell them, on my worst day, he's still a good God. He's so good that while I was a sinner, one Friday evening on a hill called Calvary, he died. But early Sunday morning, he got up and is there anybody in here that can say life is not perfect? But God's been real good to me. He's been real good to me. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to be honest that life is not always good and I maybe I don't always respond the right way, but my commitment to the Lord is Regardless of what emotional state I find myself in, I'm gonna always remain committed to Him. And I won't allow my emotions to dictate my behavior in a negative way. Life will always give me something to be upset or mad about. But my commitment is to be committed and remain faithful to god even on days when i'm downright furious at life and i think i'm talking to some folks to say i'm really frustrated in an area right now and whoever it is i just want you to slip your hand in the air and say there's are some areas in my life i'm frustrated about right that doesn't make you unholy as a matter of fact the text says that's necessary i'm frustrated in some areas right now But lift your hands toward heaven and begin to thank him that although I'm frustrated and it's permitted, although some of them I'm angry and I'm mad about it, I reaffirm my commitment to you that I vow to stay committed and faithful in spite of my emotions. I don't have to pretend like I'm happy when I'm sad. I don't have to pretend like I'm up when I'm mad. But I have to commit to stay faithful even when my emotions are all over the place. I won't quit. Who am I talking to? I won't quit just because I'm in a bad head space. And if that's you, I want you to be give, give, begin to give God a hand claps of praise real quick and just shout, I won't quit. Let me hear you say, I won't quit a little bit louder. I won't quit!